Let's talk about gravity. It's a constant. It affects everything and everyone. It's a relentless weight that never gives up in pulling us down. But gravity can be defeated. When a force is applied that is greater than the force of gravity, then and only then can we say that we are defying gravity. So this is part three in our series called Defying Gravity. Uh, we started two weeks ago talking about kind of the root of the, the, the kind of gravity that pulls us down uh, in life. And, and we had all admitted that, that we struggle with this. It's something that, that affects everyone and has from the very beginning, and that was selfishness. Selfishness really is a big root cause of, of all of the other gravities that we're talking about. Last week, um, Adam talked about suffering, and he talked about the gravity of suffering. And he, he told us that, that suffering can be defeated. You can defy the gravity of suffering. And if you missed that message last week, I would encourage you to go online and to listen to that. And today, we're going to be talking about another gravity that affects all of us. And it's the gravity of jealousy. It's the gravity of jealousy. Now, there was just an overwhelming sense. Uh, everybody smiled when I said that, because you were like, yes! I woke up this morning hoping to go to church and have somebody point out to me how jealous of a person I am. You were excited about that, and I'm glad, because I'm excited to point it out in you. No, <laughs> Honestly, as I, uh, as I wrestled with this in my own life, I'm going to share a story with you later about, like, you know, when you think about it, jealousy is one of those, one of those um, issues that is really easy to see in other people, but really hard to see in, our, in ourselves. In fact, did you know that 80% of, uh, of Americans believe that Americans are greedy? but less than 10% believe that they are greedy. That's interesting, right? Yeah. It's interesting because it's really an easy thing to point out in other people. Oh yeah, that person's jealous. I don't want to be like them. And then at the same time, miss what's happening in our own heart. Now, during this series, we're using gravity to talk about this constant, this thing that affects all of us and pulls us down. So I have this, uh, this little rocket here. Okay, and I'm going to do something that's that's very. This is very uneventful because when I when I drop this rocket, what's going to happen? It's going to fall to the ground. Okay, I'm going to demonstrate that for you. Ready? All right. Yeah. It's like, of course, that's, that's just completely uneventful because gravity affects everything. It affects everyone, and. It, Every time that I drop the rocket, it's going to fall to the ground. That, that's the nature of gravity. It affects everything. It pulls us down all the time. But in the series, as we've, as we've been talking about, gravity can be defeated. Okay? And you can apply a force that is greater than the force of gravity, and in, in such a way, you can actually defy gravity. Okay? 
Now, I did this during first service. And if you're sitting in the middle rows, I have no idea where this is going to land, but you might want to put your coffee down in case you need to defend yourself, okay? I'm applying a force that's greater than the force of gravity. Ready? Almost, almost. Now, that's much more interesting. But during this series, we're, we're talking about forces that are greater than the force of gravity, and I'm here with good news that there is a force that's greater than the force of jealousy. There's a force that's greater than the force of jealousy. And it's interesting that, that all of the forces that we're going to be talking about, these are not things that we can um, just behavior modification. These are not just things that we're going to... I'm not just going to tell you, okay, here's ten things to stop doing and try harder, and you're going to be less jealous. We're talking about applying a force that's much greater than the force of jealousy, and that's applying the work of Christ, God's power into our life to overcome these things. Now, as we, we start talking about jealousy, there's a few examples of jealousy throughout the Scriptures. In fact, I just jotted down a few, like when I think of jealousy, a few big ones jump off the page. There's the, the Old Testament story. It's actually found in Genesis chapter 4. It's the story of Cain and Abel. How many of you have at least familiar with the story of Cain and Abel or at least have heard those words? Well, very early on, um, Cain and Abel are brothers. And Cain is a farmer or a gardener. And Abel is a, a shepherd. And they both bring offerings to God. But God favors Abel's offering more. He's more pleased with, with the, the, the sacrifice of this animal. And Cain becomes jealous that God was more pleased with Abel's sacrifice. And he becomes just enraged in his jealousy. And do you know the story? What does Cain do to Abel? He kills him. Very early on in the scripture, the very first murder that happened was rooted in jealousy. It's interesting, right? Later on uh, in, in the scripture, Genesis chapter 37, there's the story of, uh, of Joseph and his brothers. Oh, by the way, the, the action of jealousy that plays out in Cain and Abel is murder. Okay, the, so the, the jealousy happens, and then the, 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 he carries out the action of murder. Later on, there's the story of Joseph and his brothers. And the story goes that there are 12 brothers, but the father loves Joseph the most. And as a token of his love for, for his boy, he gives him a, a, a present, a very special gift. And we know it as the coat of many colors. Coat of many colors. You can read about this in Genesis 37. And his 11 brothers become so jealous of Joseph that they want to kill him. It's the same kind of thing that happened with Cain and Abel. These brothers that are so jealous that they want to kill this brother. But then their conscience gets the best of them and they decide, okay, instead of killing Joseph, let's just sell him into slavery. And just get rid of it. And that's what they do. And they think that they have, they have completely removed Joseph from, from their lives, but then later on in the story, he reappears and God does some amazing things. You can read about that in Genesis 37. So there's this jealousy that happens, and these brothers are so jealous of this, this coat of many colors that, that this father gives to his son, 
that they act on that, and the action is abduction. They sell him into slavery. They kidnap him. They, they get rid of him. They just completely eradicate him from their lives. Then later on, there's another famous story of jealousy. Um, it's found in 1 Samuel chapters 18 and 19 in the Bible. And it's the story of David and King Saul. And what happens is uh, David kills Goliath. And this is a huge event because um, it was such a successful military action. The, the nation of Israel is successful in routing their enemies. And now all of a sudden, uh, David, this young shepherd boy who kills Goliath, becomes a national celebrity. And in fact, they start singing songs about him. He makes the, you know, the billboard number one hit. And the song that the nation sings about David is Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. That was the song that they were singing. And this King Saul becomes so jealous of the attention and the celebrity of this young shepherd boy that he decides he's going to kill him. And one day, he takes his spear and he, he tries to kill him by pinning him to the wall, but he misses and David flees for his life. You would think, okay, well, Saul got rid of David. No, that wasn't good enough. Saul leverages all of his power as king, and he gathers an army to pursue David, to hunt him down, until David, ultimately, they wanted him to be killed. So Saul gets just completely wrapped up in this jealousy for this young uh, shepherd boy, and the action that comes out of that is... To hunt and to kill. To hunt and to kill. Now, what's interesting is that as we look at these biblical examples of jealousy, it's really easy for us to be like, okay, I've never killed anybody, never abducted anybody, I've never leveraged my power to hunt and destroy someone. I don't struggle with jealousy. But friends, I want to I point out today that, that there's so much more to jealousy than just the action that comes. Jealousy really is an issue of the heart. And that's what I want to talk about. So as we talk about jealousy today, your, your natural tendency, my natural tendency, is to say, ah, you know, I'm not a jealous person. I never, never do anything about that. I mean, you couldn't look at my life and say that I'm a jealous person. But what I'm going to encourage you to do is just to pause for a moment and to let that guard down and ask the question of God, Lord, if there's some jealousy in me, would you point it out to me this morning? Would you show me that in my heart? Because what we're talking about today is being set free from, from this type of jealousy that really can be a disease. It can be an infection in our heart. So, there's a few observations um, about jealousy that I'd like to discover with you here this morning. The first one is that defying jealousy is not the same as filtering our actions. Defying jealousy is not the same as filtering our actions. We're deceived into thinking that since we do a good job of not acting out on our jealousy, that we don't have jealousy in our lives. And I think this starts when we're very young. I mean, imagine, if you will... 
back to your youngest days that you can remember, okay? And maybe even before then. See, when a, when, a, when a child is a toddler, you can imagine this scene. It's played out all, you know, in, in all of our lives and all of our children's lives where your, your child uh, sees something that their little friend is playing with and they want it, and so they grab it and they rip it out of their hands. You've seen this played out in your children's life? Let me, you were this way too. And your parents, or you as a parent, would say, Oh, sweetie, no, you've got to give that back. That's not yours. No, 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 no. Give it back. And guess what happens? They do it again. They rip it out of their hands. I want that. And then you say, No, no, no. No, 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 no. You rip that out. And then the nose gets stronger. And as this plays out, then you remove the child from... And it's a toddler. But that toddler then grows up into a five, six-year-old. Does the jealousy thing go away? No, there's just more consequences for the jealousy. So if you're five or six and you rip the toy out of your friend's hand and that friend begins to cry and they go, and then there's a big thing. And if your parents were like my parents, you'd get a whipping for that. And pretty soon, as you, as you, as you grow up and the, the consequences for acting out on your jealousy become more and more strict, you learn to modify your behavior, don't you? But does the desire to rip it out of their hands and make it your own, does that ever go away? Chances are no. You just don't do it because you don't want to whip them. And for those... You know, there are some that it takes until you're into, you know, your junior high, high school years. And pretty soon you go to the store and you grab that candy bar and you shove it in your pocket. And next thing you know, your parents are talking with the cops or, you know, you stole something or you robbed someone. And the consequences continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, we do a really good job of modifying our behavior. But I want to suggest this morning that just because we we do a good job of filtering our behavior does not mean that jealousy doesn't still have a grip on our hearts. So when I say this, jealousy is a matter of the heart. I think that's something that we have to all agree on here this morning. Jealousy is a matter of the heart. This is something that when you, when you talk about jealousy, when you talk about um, any of these other types of gravity, we're really talking about the center, the core of who we are. The center, the core of who we are. The Bible calls that our heart. And there's lots of, there's lots of wisdom teaching, there's lots of scriptures that talk about our heart. One of them that... that uh, is, is fascinating to me is that uh, is from the book of Proverbs and the writer of the book of Proverbs says above all else guard your hearts above all else guard your hearts see this I, the, the, this issue of jealousy rises from the core of who we are and so if we try and battle it simply by modifying our behavior we're missing the root it's like pulling the leaves off of the weed without grabbing it and ripping it out of the ground so if we need to deal with this we have to deal with it on a much bigger scale than just modifying our behavior 
What's so interesting is that our current American culture is really built on jealousy. Our current American culture really is built on jealousy. It really is. About 10 years ago, I had the opportunity to go on uh, my first and only overseas missions trip. I encourage you. I mean, I think it is so good for everyone, at least once in your life, to take a, a significant trip, particularly to go someplace to another culture where things are just so much different. It, it really does change your outlook and, and the way you think uh, about every aspect of your life. I got to go on a trip to Haiti, and I got to spend about 10 days in Haiti, and we went to a really remote part of Haiti, a, a, a poor um, poor is not even a good word. Uh, let, me, let me describe it a little bit. We, we landed in the big city and we got on a little missionary aviation airplane and we, we flew into a, a remote village on the other side of the mountain, uh, a village called Hinch. And from there we got into what they call Top Tops, which are these, uh, uh, like a Toyota, imagine a little Toyota pickup truck with uh, some racks welded in it so you could fit like, 12 people in the back of a little Toyota pickup truck. And we crawled in the back of this with all of our gear, all of our team, and you know, our, our clothes and all of that, and uh, piled into this top top and made our way into this really remote village called Mysod. It was only maybe a 10-mile drive, but it seemed like it took us most of the day to get there. It was exhausting holding on to this back of this pickup truck while we made our way across rivers and, you know, over pretty uh, rutted roads. It was, it was an incredible trip. When we got to the village of Mysad, you have to cross a river uh, to get into the village. And the river at its deepest spot at the crossing was only maybe eight or ten inches deep. And it's like the center of the, the, the whole area. There's lots of stuff that happens because the river is there. So you have people that are washing their clothes. You have people bringing their livestock to get a drink there. And then all over the river, you see them everywhere walking people with five-gallon buckets, some with big totes, to go and get drinking water out of this muddy, disgusting livestock river. And then these people um, are living in, in places that we, we would call them a shack or a hut or something like that, but that might even be too much of a, uh, too much of a, uh, you know, I don't want you to get a picture like these are fancy because they aren't. It's a, it, you know, most of them tin roofs, some of them concrete walls, some of them block walls, some of them mud walls. They would cook over an open fire in, their, in, their, in the front of their house. No running water, no, no toilets. Uh, you can imagine the smell because of that. Sleeping on the dirt, most of them didn't have shoes. Um, some of the kids didn't have shirts. You get a picture of what we're talking about. I spent 10 days there. It's interesting that in a place like that, we couldn't drink the water. We could, we, so we had bottled water with us. And I would get done drinking a bottle of water and there would be a line of children waiting for me to give them my empty plastic bottle. For them, that was like Christmas Day. I mean, think of the endless things that you can do with a, with a plastic bottle. I mean, you could, you could float it down the river as a boat or you could wad it up and play catch with it. I mean, imagine that. An empty plastic bottle that we wouldn't even think about becomes... A, 
a huge um, gift to them. Well, you fast forward the story to the end of that 10 days and you have to come home. When I came home, I can't really describe the feeling that I had when I walked into our house. It was almost like being physically sick to my stomach. Overwhelmed with how much stuff I had. It's overwhelmed with... Uh, I have stuff that, that I don't need. I have stuff that I don't use. And I, I just keep it. It's just... And when I'm here, I feel like I want more. And when I'm there, I feel the overwhelming sense of how much I have. Does that make sense? What's interesting is that most of us, when we're, when we're here, we're in our house, we look, at our, uh, you know, we look at our kitchen, maybe it needs remodeled, or, man, I'd really like to have some fresh carpet in the living room, or, man, I'd really like to do, wish our, we could re-landscape our, our yard, or, or whatever it is. All of us have those things that we dream about. Some of those are rooted in jealousy. Why do you want that? Well, it's because you, you saw that person that had that thing, or you compared yourself to that person, and you, you, you had this sense that, gosh, I'm maybe a little bit behind, or there's something more I could have, or my life would be better if I could do this thing. But if you took any one of our houses that we live in, any one of them in this room, and you took those and you placed them in the middle of my sod, Haiti, we would be... The, the best house that you could imagine for a hundred mile radius. And no longer would you look at the, the, the kitchen that you think now needs remodeled and the carpet that you wish that you had and the lawn that you wished you could landscape. No longer would you look at it in the same way. Why? Because you have a bathroom. <laughs> Why? Because you have a kitchen. Why? Because you have chairs. You have a bed to sleep on. Do you see what I'm saying? And if you don't believe me that this, is, that, that, that this happens, look at the, the magazines in the line when you're checking out at the grocery store. Watch the commercials, you know, this afternoon if you're watching the football game, and watch the commercials. Commercials are all designed to make you feel jealous and to want something more. When was the last time you saw a hair you know, product commercial where the person had really bad hair? No, they paint, a, they paint an incredible picture of this perfect hair. Why? To make you feel, gosh, I wish my hair was that way. Maybe I need to buy their product. When was the last time you saw a car advertisement where their car had hail damage? Why? Because you look at your own car that has hail damage, and it's like, man, I wish I had a really nice shiny car that didn't have hail damage. I think our culture is completely built on this idea of jealousy. Listen to this verse from James chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. It says, But if you harbor, and I want to stop there, and if you're the type of person that underlines in your Bible, you might underline that word harbor, because that word harbor means to hide, to lock it in a closet, uh, to pretend it doesn't exist, to disguise it. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts. That's where it all resides. This is a heart issue. If you harbor bitter, bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it and, or, or deny the truth. 
Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find discord and every evil practice. See, friends, we need to release this. We need to stop denying that these things are in our hearts. Stop harboring them. Let them go. Reveal them and deal with them. Okay. A third observation is that jealousy says, somebody owes me. Jealousy says, somebody owes me. Have you ever felt like uh, you didn't like someone but you couldn't quite put your finger on why. It's like, I just don't like that person. It's like, can't quite put your finger on why. Um, this happened to me. I'm going to share a jealousy story with you. It's happened to me uh, just actually pr- fairly recently. My wife and I were talking about a, a person. He's actually a pastor, and it's a, it's a person from my past. And I had interacted with him, um, and when I came home, my wife was like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. It's like, you really don't like him, do you? No, no, I really don't. Why? And here was my response. I just feel like he's fake. That was my, that was my response. Now, what I've come to realize since then is that I was completely wrong. And what I was doing was trying to harbor jealousy that I was feeling towards this person. So when I said that, uh, you know, I feel like he's fake. Well, why do you feel like he's fake? Well, about once a month, I get a text message, random text message out of the blue. I don't see this guy very often, maybe a couple times a year. Yet about once a month, I get a text message from them that says something like, hey man, just wanted you to know I'm praying for you and your family. I hope God's blessing you. My prayers are with you. Something like that. And it drives me crazy. You're like, that's like the nicest thing. I would love it if someone would send me a text message like that. And here's the, here's the thing. The reason that I'm jealous of this guy, or the reason that I have those feelings towards him, is because he is showing me the person that I wish I was. I wish I was that guy. I wish I was that guy that remembered, you know, once a month randomly to send everybody that I knew a text message saying, hey, I'm praying for you, and meant it. And I think what I was feeling was, I just don't like them. But when I traced back the roots, the reason was, I'm jealous. And I wonder if you have situations like that in your own life. As you think about, um, you know, that person that you don't like, and it's like, well, could it be that their husband got the promotion that you felt like your husband was worthy of? Could it be that you don't like them because in some way they are the kind of parent that you wished you could be? Could it be that they, they have the kind of marriage that you've always desired? So you just say, I, I just don't like them, or I, I don't resonate well with them, but the truth be told, you wish in some ways you could be like them. So I think um, what it all boils down to is application. What do we do about this? If we can identify that, okay, this is something that we deal with. This is something we have. Jealousy is a heart issue. What can we do about it? And I want to close quickly with, with just a few applications. Some things that we can do about this. The first one is to ask God to change your heart. 
What we're talking about here is only stuff that God can do. I'm not saying grab yourself by the bootstraps and pull yourself up. This is not just try harder. This is allow God to change your heart. There's a wonderful verse in Ezekiel 36, 26. And it starts off with the most profound pronoun that, that is the key to this whole thing. And it's the pronoun I. This is God's words to you. This is God saying, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. See, friends, this is the work that God wants to do in your life, and he wants to do it in my life. This is not, you need to do this thing. This is allow God to do this thing. This is what he wants to do in your life. And perhaps here today, you've never asked God to change your heart. You've never given him permission. Said, God, I want you to change my heart. If that's you, you feel disconnected from God. The place that you need to start is by asking God to change your heart. And that's only through Jesus. It's what he came to do. That's what God wants to do is to give you a new heart. And it starts when you open yourself up and you trust Jesus as your Savior. That could be the place that you need to start today. Secondly, the force that defies jealousy... This force that defies jealousy is contentment. Contentment. You say, okay, I I don't want jealousy anymore. I want to defy jealousy. I want to get rid of it. It starts with the power of God in your life to produce contentment. Contentment is the force that defies jealousy. The latest global statistics shows that one, if, if you have a roof over your head and one meal a day, then you're richer than 93% of the world's population. If you have a pair of shoes, you're richer than 75% of the people on the planet. It's incredible, right? What we're asking for is, Lord, I want to be content with what I, I have and with who you have made me. I want to be content with that, Lord. All of this, this jealousy that I feel in, in having a desire for, to accumulate and to accumulate and to accumulate, and this anger that I feel because I'm not the way that, that I wish that I was, I want to be content. Philippians chapter 4, verses 12 through 13 This is the Apostle Paul. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And I imagine that all of us in this room can relate with both of those statements. We know what it is to be in need, but we know what it is to have plenty, too. But I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And here's the key. I can do all this. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. This force, this power is a contentment, but where does it come from? It comes from God. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, the same Paul writes to, to young Timothy in verses 6 through 10. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Oh, that's a rich verse. You should underline that one in your Bible too. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. 
But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I think a a very practical way that we can begin to, to... fan this flame of contentment in our lives is this, to list all of the ways that you have been blessed. Maybe you have a habit of doing this around this time of year for Thanksgiving, just listing out, Lord, I'm thankful for, and just listing all of those things. To list out all the ways that you have been blessed. Paul gives us a great example of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verses 7 through 9, he says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. See, I realize, and I'm not trying to minimalize the fact that, that some of you are struggling in, in different, different areas in your life. Maybe it's a financial struggle. Maybe your house literally is falling apart. But I think there's some keys here with, with what the, the Apostle Paul shows us here. He says, and I think the power is in the butt. He says, we're, we're hard-pressed on every side. That's a reality. We're hard-pressed. But we're not crushed. Maybe that's what you need to, to focus on. How is it even in the midst of the hard things that God has indeed blessed you? We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. I encourage you to list out all the ways that you have been blessed. How has God been good to you? And finally, I would encourage you to replace the lies of jealousy with the truth of God. To replace the lies of jealousy with the truth of God. You see, jealousy really is a liar. Because the, the, the big lie of jealousy is, if then, if you were more physically fit, then you'd be happier or other people would like you more. If you made more money at your, at your work, then you wouldn't have to deal with all of the stuff that comes with not having money. If your house was nicer, if your car was nicer, if the person in the mirror that you look at in the mirror, if these things would change about that person, then. Those are lies of jealousy and we need to replace those with the truth of God. For example, in 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 3 through 4, it says, His divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. You have everything that you need. God has given you everything that you need to live a godly life. He's given you breath in your lungs. He's given you a mind to think. He's given you 
days on this earth to know him and to be known by him. He's given you everything that you need for a godly life through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. It goes on. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, we may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. How do you escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires? You cling to these precious promises that Peter talks about in verse 4. Cling to these precious promises. If I had more money, dot, dot, dot. No, it's the wrong question. God has supplied all of your needs. If I looked different, if I was more talented, no, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God handcrafted me. And he gave me a purpose and he put me right where he wants me to be. If my circumstances were different, if this and that were to be changed in my life, no, God has placed me in this place and time and he's making me mature and complete, not lacking Anything. Those are the promises that we need to cling to as we fan this flame of contentment in our lives. I'll close with this final little story. There were two eagles, two eagles, and one of the eagles could soar higher than the other eagle. And this made the second eagle very jealous. He wanted to, to, to fly as high as the first eagle. And so what he did was he went to a hunter one day. And he said, I will do anything if you will shoot down that other eagle. And the hunter said, well, I would love to shoot down the other, the other eagle, but I just don't have any feathers to make the arrow to shoot him down. And so the eagle thought about it for a moment, and he plucked a feather from his wing, and he gave it to the hunter. And so the hunter fashions the arrow, and he takes aim and he shoots and he misses because the other eagle is flying so high. And so the eagle begins to give him more and more of his feathers until finally what happens? The eagle's unable to fly. See, friends, I think we have this feeling that our jealousy really would be so much better if that other person that other circumstance that we're jealous of if it were just to go away. We have this feeling that if I could just get rid of that other person or if they could just fail or somehow, I don't want to like, experience harm, but it would be really good if I just never saw them again. We have that feeling like if that other person, that other situation could just be gone, that it would somehow make our lives so much better. But really, in harboring that jealousy, it's like pulling the feather out one at a time. And the person that we're really harming is ourselves. So as we close our service today, I'm going to invite uh, Megan and the team to come back up, and they're going to lead us in a final song. And this song is um, an, an old hymn called I Surrender All. Uh, one of my favorites. But I would imagine that, that there may be somebody here this morning that is really struggling with this area of jealousy. And as we've talked about it this morning, you've realized that there are some things that you need to hand over to God, that you need to surrender to Him and allow Him to do 
the heart surgery that needs to happen at the very core of who you are. And if that's you this morning, I'd, I'd encourage you during this song to do business with God and allow him to do the work on your heart to remove this gravity of jealousy from your life. And as we, uh, as we sing, I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. The ushers are going to pass our offering plate. Please uh, remember to drop those connect cards in the offering plate as it goes by. And as you stand to your feet, uh, let's join our voices together in this final song, I Surrender All.